This is another bottle down on Co-op Radio, KOOP Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and KOOP.org. I'm your host, Mark Rayshap, here to appreciate wines from all over the world and to talk with Austin's leading wine professionals, from winemaker to sommelier and everyone in between. Now it's time to put another bottle down. Thank you so much for tuning in, Austin. October is Texas Wine Month, and uh, this is an exciting time for all of us in the wine industry here in Texas. So to celebrate, I've brought in uh, a couple of live guests. We have Frederick Osterberg from Perdinalis Cellars, Dave Riley from Dukeman Family Winery, and Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards. We're missing folks from Brennan Vineyards and Bending Branch, which uh, make the Texas Fine Wine Group, uh, who are a group of like-minded wineries, and they do amazing things in the industry. They all have somewhat of a different take on the grapes that they that they are producing and uh, the wines that they're making and some of the philosophy but the underwriting concept is that very high quality and celebrating texas so stay tuned and we will be right back to uh, enjoy some texas wine Thank you so much, guys, for being here. Uh, we've got we're celebrating Texas Fine uh, Texas Wine Month with uh, the Texas Fine Wine Group. So, uh, Dave Riley from Dukeman, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Let's check your mic here. Hey, thanks for having me in. Yeah, absolutely. And Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Great, guys. And Frederick Osterberg from Perdinalis Cellars. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well. Um, so we are celebrating te- uh, Texas Wine Month, but also we're kind of celebrating the end of the harvest of 2016, uh, although Dave is smirking at me because uh, he still has a little bit of ways to go. Can, can we, um, where are you guys at with harvest? We just want to make, make sure if, if you're on vacation yet or if you still have a little bit of work to go. <laughs> what do, Frederick, what do, what do you, where are you guys at? So we're, we're fortunate in that we, we just wrapped up harvest and we did our last press off here um, Friday. And so... Um, uh, Congratulations. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a long harvest this year, and we started uh, late July, as we typically do, and then uh, we had some rain, as you know, and so it just dragged it on longer than, than usual, and uh, we're just now done. And uh, and then now it gets busy in the cellar, right? So, right, busy yeah. uh, making the wine, and we're going to get all Absolutely. into that, the ins and outs of the 2016 vintage, mm-hmm. and uh, and then where you're at now in the, in the winery as well. Ron, what, where are you at in your, uh, in your harvest? Uh, we're pretty much done with bringing everything in. We have another uh, little bit of Morvedra from out in the Davis Mountains we're waiting on. Should be any time in the next week or so, and... We still got a lot of uh, pressing off and a lot of so that's out work. in the high plains, right? Yes. So uh, no, that's out in the Davis Mountains. Actually, the, I think that's the name of the AVA, mm-hmm. Davis Mountains. It's it's out off south of uh, I-10, way out there by about by Alpine and Marfa and all that good stuff. Oh wow, limestone soils out there, right? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, I think so. I, I'm. I, it's this hasn't been my pro, my pet project. It's okay. been our winemakers, but sure. it's a great. Uh, it's a, a vineyard called Blue Mountain. I think it's Blue Mountain Vineyards. It's out there, and we've had. Some Grenache and some uh, Tempranillo come in from already. That's gorgeous. Um, we're awesome. Getting fruit from all over the state. And and those are, are pretty much your your latest ripening vineyards. Yeah. And, and oh, so the far. last to come yeah. in. Yeah. Cool. A lot. Of the hill country stuff is is you know already in barrel and and ready to take a long nap. It's it's, yeah. it's like like Dave was saying earlier. It's been a long harvest. We started. 
we started picking some Chardonnay for sparkling in the second or third week of uh, July and just been going ever since. Wow. So that, I mean, that has to be so much more... Uh, of a tricky uh, way to plan your your, your life um, uh, because it, it, it's not like oh in, in in various regions of France or in California it's like harvest you know second week of September until October. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the winemakers don't get to really plan their life that right. that time of the grapes kind of plan your life and yeah. the, and the uh, the wives have to have to just deal with Hang it in there. as yeah. much as they hate it. <laughs> well, we're celebrating it. Um, and 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 Dave, so uh, out at uh, Dukeman, where where are you guys at? Uh, we are envious of uh, Frederick <laughs> for being finished. We have uh, left about 35 tons of Montable Chano uh, from Oswald Vineyard coming out of the High Plains um, and also from Oswald, uh, 50 tons of Alianico approximately yeah. yet to I, I think that's all going to happen next week so those are so those are two italian varieties and and we could maybe say that a, a, a big focus for dukeman is the italian varieties right that's correct yeah yes. we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that and and for folks who want to follow along online you can go to texasfinewine.com to kind of see some bios uh, uh, as we're talking with these producers um uh, these guys are the real deal so uh check out check out the website and also there is a, a an outstanding calendar of events that um, these folks are doing with the Texas Fine Wine Group. Um, we can mention them now and then uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about them and how this month is developing. So we have uh, next week on October 12th at the Wine and Food Foundation of Texas. Ron, you're going to be uh, guiding a tasting of, of Texas wines, two wines from each of these five wineries, right? Yes, sir. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. So that more information about that at uh, winefoodfoundation.org. Um, and then October 13th, you have a, a tasting at Dine Restaurant. Um, Frederick, are you so are you all going to be there for that? Yeah, I'll try to be there for that one. And uh, it should be fun. We, we do first a, a trade tasting, and then after that, there will be a, um, a consumer um, tasting. And then and uh, it's going to be a pairing with Chef uh, David Garrido? That's right. That's so right. that's really It'll cool. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. Mm. And then October 14th, we have dinner at Spicewood Vineyards. And uh, so more information about that. Can they find that yeah, on your website? on our website there at spicewoodvineyards.com. Spicewoodvineyards.com. And that's a that's a fabulous event. And we'll, we'll, we'll pair wines from, from all of the Texas Fine Wine Wine and uh, and uh, it's a chance to see um, uh, Spicewood uh, Vineyards' fabulous facility outside Austin. So yeah. that's that's a really cool event. All right, great. Well, uh, really happy here to feature uh, Texas Fine Wines on 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 this show. Another bottle down. Um, I, I kind of wanted to start off this discussion about um, why you felt a need to form this Texas Fine Wine Group, and maybe we can tie in. Uh, that whole concept of for sale in Texas only on the back label that you might see. Um, let's start with that. What, what, when, when folks out there see uh, for sale in Texas only on the back label, what does that actually mean about where the grapes come from? It, it's a typical indicator, not necessarily all the time, but it typically means that the, either the grapes were grown out of the state or that the wine was produced out of the state and brought in and, and bottled here. Um, and that's uh, over 25% in the bottle. Okay. Um, so meaning if, if, if somebody bought uh, 30% of, of grapes from California, brought them into Texas, they would be allowed to use that for sale in Texas only. What, what it also means is that Texas labeling laws are different than federal labeling laws. And so it can mean that you comply with Texas law, but not the federal law, so it is therefore for sale in Texas only, 
because you're not complying with other laws. Right. It's, it's a way of exempting yourself from the federal um, labeling requirements. So then what would, what would that mean if you were following the federal uh, labeling laws? Well, it would mean that you would have to disclose the origin of the, of the grapes. And so this is a way of sort of obscuring, in, in a worst-case scenario, uh, being not very transparent as to where your grapes are, are coming from. Right. Um, because if they were really transparent and they put American wine, so that would be if they were blending California wine with Texas wine, uh, American wine would be the official designation, right? Yes. Yes. That and, and that has a little bit of a, a negative connotation for folks. Is 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 that right? Why, why people choose for sale in Texas only as opposed to American wine? I mean, I I suppose it, it, it could, right? But I I think for for all of us that are part of of Texas fine wine, right. uh, it's important to us to be transparent as to where the grapes are from and and to be honest um, about. Our sourcing, and so that's that. We we as a group, I, I don't think anybody as part of that group uses that designation because we're we're happy to disclose to to anybody who will listen where, where right. our grapes are from. So <laughs> right, because yeah. when you take great pride and put so much work into the vineyards and and uh, and all that you do, it's it's important for the consumer to know. Well, I, I really like the fact that you know you are bonding together behind that philosophy. What else does the Texas Fine Wine Group kind of what are some other motivating factors behind that? Right. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Frederick. No, I mean, it's, it's a shared philosophy, basically. It's, it's sort of a, an approach to, to wine that we shoot for the, the absolute highest quality that we humanly can produce. And, uh, and also that we're, we're focused on grapes that do well in Texas. Right? We don't uh-huh. pretend to be in, in Napa or in you know, some, somewhere else. Uh, uh, so we, we tend to focus on warm weather varietals, uh, varietals that thrive in the Texas climate. Right? They love the heat and right. the soils and the sun. And, and so our, our philosophy is if we grow the right kinds of grapes here in Texas, we can make world-class wine. Right. And, uh, so. so it's, it's not, um, you know, so, so for the folks out there who just love their big Napa cabs, they're not going to find that here in Texas, right? Well, we'll, we'll steer them to a... To yeah, a you, you to may a, find a different variety that would, that would please your palate, right. so to speak, and, and, and kind of whatever you're looking for in that big Napa cab, you might find a, perhaps a more elegant uh, uh, wine that's grown here, a local product from Texas that, that makes you happy. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, David has a fabulous Montepulciano, and, you know, we do a Tempranillo, and Ron, Ron has a... You know, some really mean uh, red wines. So, <laughs> yeah. like, there's there, there's something for everybody. Okay, from, so, from fo- Texas. so focus on uh, grapes that do really well here in Texas. And then, isn't there a piece about um, about the wines being a little bit uh, in the distribution chain, so that they that they can be um, enjoyed on a, on a broader scale, absolutely, and not just tasting room only, right? Absolutely, no. They, these are wines that are available in fine dining uh, venues and. Uh, you know, yeah. so select wine merchants. Um, so there, there is the model of that um, only available at the winery, right? Do you see a lot of Texas wineries going that route? And that's and 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 you know, at what point, uh, production-wise, can is that not really sustainable? Uh, Dave, you wanna you wanna talk about that? Well, I, I think uh, distribution is is definitely important, and I think that there's uh, the whole scale of of operation, and it, we'd probably all like to make. A couple thousand cases of wine because that'd be fun but (laughs) it it just doesn't work out right um and so we do have we do have distributor just to get that reach we try to do it ourselves and it 
it's impossible to right. state this big. Yeah, yeah. Ron, do you do you have the same thing at Spicewood? So we're yeah we're kind of the oddball member in this group is that we are really the growing member here. We've got, we've kind of increased our production over the last three or four years every year, and so we're right at that at that moment where I'm starting to make more than we can sell in the tasting room, and we're starting right. to grow. And we're we're going to do that very slowly, but that's part of the reason we wanted to be a part of this group is because these were kind of the the we we were, came on last, and these were the four groups that were really doing it and really getting out there and making the wine making great quality wines at good prices that you can find you know at your at your right, liquor store right. or at your fine wine uh, sales place and it's we wanted to be a part of that and kind of learn from that experience and help and, and get us on that path and I don't know how far we're going to be at Spicewood we're kind of limited in some size so we may have to hit that point where we do we build another location there on property and grow even more or do we kind of hold it with our limited distribution but yeah that's the that's the intent right us. right excellent well let's um let's talk a little bit about uh the grape varieties that you guys are doing in, in your wineries and um i think that i find it very interesting that each member of the of this group has a slightly different focus even though you are focusing on on varieties that do really well in texas uh dave at dukeman you're uh, talk about your focus on italian varieties was that always the concept it was i think the the concept really was um, to grow grapes that grow well in Texas because yeah. we are 100% Texas grown uh, grape facility. That's all we do. Um, so if it grows well here, we're going to attempt to make world class wine out of it. Um, and what turned out uh, to grow well for us would be uh, Montepulciano and Alianico, yeah. um, and also Sangiovese uh, for red wines and uh, Vermentino and Trebbiano. For whites, yeah. Can we um, can we kind of go over each one of those and and see your impressions? And if folks are not uh, familiar with, uh, let's let's talk about Montepulciano first. And uh, you know where where it's it's from Italy, of course. And then it where is. do we see it grown in Italy? Um, kind of the central central part of Italy, um, yeah. and it it grows exceptionally well, in my opinion, on the high plains, on the Texas high plains. Okay, um, which. For those that don't know, that's about 30 minutes um, southwest of Lubbock. Okay. Um, it's 3,000 feet elevation, super deep soil. Um, at night, it actually gets cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, their daytime highs aren't quite as hot as they are here. Yeah. Great, great place to grow grapes. And so um, as opposed to the hill country where we see a little bit higher nighttime temperatures and, and really hot days as well. Which yeah. can also be good for some other varietals for sure. And I think right, right. You know, we're kind of in the infancy uh, really in this of, of finding out what's going to grow the best where where other other countries have had a thousand years to figure out you grow exactly this clone in exactly this place and i think we're we're working that out and in in really kind of a a very fast pace um if you ask me we're we're finding it out very quickly well i think that 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 is testament to um you know, f- folks at Texas A&M and the AgriLife, it's folks for, you know, the producers that are really pushing the bar. And it's also a testament to the consumers who are open to trying things that they might not have heard before. Right? It's, it's a huge testament, honestly, to the to the grape growers that because the, right. they're the ones that took the first chance. You, know, you ask these guys to plant Montepulciano and Alianico and they don't know what it is or, you know, right, like, right. nobody's ever done it before. So it's kind of, you know. Um, uncharted waters there and so we, they they took a chance and uh, we all believe it's it's paying off very yeah, well yeah yeah and and moving do you, are you guys playing with uh, Ron and, and Frederick are you guys playing with Montepulciano as well 
no. Um, actually, uh, this year for the very first time, um, and I willingly admit it, it's inspired by by David's work with Montepulciano. We we are Excellent. bringing in some Montepulciano, and so we look forward to uh, to working with that. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. and that makes me happy. I, I think you know it's it's all brand awareness. You get another. Uh, um, winery in the Texas right, Fine Wine Group yeah. that obviously produces great wines to also use the same varieties yeah. more awareness for the varietal absolutely yeah. um, talk about Alianico a little bit because it's, it's, it's one of my favorite Italian grapes uh, you know it's up on my, my list of maybe top uh, top five or so red grapes um, are, were you the first to do Alianico what, what's the history of Alianico or, uh, in, in Texas as far as I know commercially Yes, okay. um, but I, somebody could fact check that. I, no, I think, I think <laughs> you're right. That's true. I, I don't know if anybody's um, done it Seth for you. might have been the only one at Pariso, so those are right around, but I think y'all were probably ahead of him. Yeah, I think um, this is our, I think 2008 would have been the first vintage for us. Um, so did you pioneer that effort in the vineyard, or was was, was there growers that, that thought, okay, hey, Hot climate, you know, Alianico doing doing well in southern Italy where it's really quite hot. Um, I, I can't take credit for for that charge. That that would be Mark Pena, my my predecessor at Dukeman, okay, yeah. um, had that vision for Alianico and um, and site selection where where the Oswalds vineyard was being established and, right. and they were willing to take a chance on it and we're thrilled that they did yeah cool um let's kind of finish off with red wines so alianico montepulciano any other uh, red wines that you're kind I, of i think sangiovese right, right. is um i have i have a love-hate relationship with it <laughs> i, I <laughs> it will never be um texas sangiovese in my opinion won't be of that caliber of of crazy big Brunello or, or right. big Italian counterpart. Um, Even but with it makes time a, and age of the vine? It, for us, it makes a very light, very approachable, kind of bright red fruit um, right. characteristic that we sell tons of it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very popular and, and people seem to really like it. Yeah, I think yeah. probably with the Texas heat, uh, it makes it, it makes an easy red wine yeah. for the summer, but we also don't really know as far as age of the vine and and maybe is there is there any research being done on the clones because Sangiovese is really really uh, dependent on the on the clone location location location. 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 All right. <laughs> no, that's right. We we have a very small amount of Sangiovese in our estate vineyard planted in the mid nineteen nineties, and uh-huh. uh, and it's very much the same experience as as David was. Uh, yeah. Was, so, but we yeah. might just know of Texas Sangiovese of the the lighter, easy peasy, you know, table wine. Ours, ours gets blended into our uh, rosé from time to time. So. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ron, what 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 red grapes uh, are you guys kind of focusing on on Spicewood? Uh, Tempranillo is is our focus for sure. I spent a lot of time and was lucky to get to be over in Spain and in the summers at college at UT and yeah. just fell in love with Tempranillo and noticed the like Dave was saying the location it you just the uh, Robert del Duero just reminded me of the hill country and yeah. and I wanted to you know come back and make incredible tempranillos in the heat and so that's kind of that's been our focus we we get we grow or and or receive fruit from tempranillo uh from sorry from growers in nine different locations in the state so wow. 
we, we do a whole lot of it. Yeah, and, and Frederick and I were talking before the show about, you know, the differences between um, Hill Country Tempranillo and, uh, oh, and, yeah. and then the High Plains and, and whatnot. What, you, yeah. you, wanna, you guys want to talk about that? Our, uh, our Hill Country Tempranillo, we try to make a lot more in the style of the, the Duero. We age it a little bit longer in barrels. We let it hang out on the skins a lot longer during fermentation, extract more tannins, make a bigger wine with a lot heavier grip on the palate, right. whereas... Uh, a lot of our High Plains Tempranillos tend to be softer and a little less time in oak. And we we found that we've actually started picking them a little earlier, which is kind of con- contrary to what a lot of people think. Yeah. yeah, and I'm mean, not super early, but just a little bit more. And 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 it's making a little softer. You know, you know, I want out, you know something that's somewhat akin to a Pinot that you can drink in the in the summer and the right. heat. And we found a lot of people have been receptive to that. But mm. it's cool to have that dichotomy of both wines. Oh, and absolutely. Tempranillo yeah. is so malleable depending upon how you finish out and how you, you know, how ripe you let it get, how early you pick it, what you do with it can can go in a lot of different styles. So it's it's been fun. Same with Spanish Tempranillo. I mean, you have Tempranillo from Rioja Mm -hmm. versus Ribera del Duero, totally different ball game. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. Frederick, do you get that same thing when you, when you play off of the, the hill country Tempranillo versus the high plains? Absolutely. No, I, I agree with Ron's comment here that it's, it's fairly malleable, right? It's, um, you know, it's a canvas that the winemaker can, can paint on, so to speak. And, uh, the, what we see in the high plains is you know you have those cooler nights you have you have that um, little bit better acidity often uh, yeah. at times whether it's in in the hill country we see very nice fruit uh, very nice tannins and so it's uh, we we often um, will blend different batches together uh, uh-huh. to to create uh, um, uh, Texas Tempranillo that yeah. in- incorporates batches from both both growing regions. Right. Do you do any vineyard um, vineyard designated Tempranillos? I, I see that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a trend that a lot of uh, producers are going in Texas, and I'm really happy about it. That not only uh, does the public, or or hopefully the public, is t- giving credit to the winery, but then also the vineyard. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you, you see that? Absolutely. And no, we, we we do that. We we do AVA designated Tempranillos, and we do. Um, uh, an estate um, Tempranillo. Our, our estate vineyard is up um, just north of Fredericksburg. Um, it's within the Hill Country AVA. Right. And this is kind of an interesting little factor. The first AVA in Texas, Bell Mountain AVA, uh, right. 1986. So 30 years uh, this oh, year. Oh, wow, this and, year. Uh, and our, our vineyard sits within that obscure uh, AVA that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's really cool. And over half of our state fitted is, is Tempranillo. Right, so it's, right. Uh, it's a big focus for us as well. Very cool. If you're just joining us, and, and we thank you for tuning in, uh, this is Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P, Hornsby, Austin, 91.7 FM, and K-O-O-P.org. And I'm here with the Texas Fine Wine Group and uh, three producers, Frederick Osterberg from Pedernales Cellars, uh, Dave Riley from Dukeman Family Vineyards, and Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards. And we're talking about uh, Texas wine and, and the red grape so far, and uh, where are we going from here? So I think a lot of consumers know Tempranillo, um, you know, I think that Alianico is still kind of getting there. Now, maybe you guys don't produce, but the other producers in the Texas Fine Wine Group are kind of pushing other red grape varieties, right? Um, do you guys do any? I mean, I know, Frederick, you do a Grenache and Morved. Can we talk about uh, the Rhone varieties? Yeah, we do. We do uh, typically every year we will do a GSM, Grenache, Syrah, Morvedre. It's a classic um, Southern Rhone blend. And again, these, these three grapes, they do very well in Texas. They're very well suited to our climate and, and growing right. conditions. And so it's, it's something that really works for us uh, to do. And uh, uh, Morvedre in particular has, I feel, some traction right now in the Texas wine industry. It's getting more and more. And, more and more known exactly yeah. exactly and uh, and Syrah as well the other the other big uh, uh, red 
big red varietal that we started working with recently and, and our friends at Bending Branch has been doing for, for a long time is, is Tanat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, I, know, I know John um, uh, Rivenberg, who was over there for, for, for many years. He was, he's a big proponent of, uh, of Tanat. But I know uh, Ron also has been experimenting a little bit with Tanat. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, we're, we're uh, doing a little project with John, doing some, uh, uh, a wine called T&T, which is 50% of our Tempranillo uh -huh. and 50% of his, and that's T ampersand T, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. TNT Dynamite, but we're doing that little project there coming out pretty soon. The TNT so, could be kind of cool, yeah, too. You could find a, some Nero Davila yeah. and actually do an end there. Yeah, TNT, there we go. <laughs> that'd be fun. <laughs> Nero, that'd be yeah. fun, yeah. So, yeah, yeah fun uh, little projects. So yeah. what, how can you, for folks who, ha who haven't had to not, I mean, mm -hmm. do we, what do you kind of see uh, as far as characteristics? And then uh, is it similar to, you know, what you get in the southwest of France in, um, in Madiran, which is where really where the grape comes from? Uh, what, what are the characteristics? Well, we, so we, we've just, this is our, this is going to be our first year to plant it. We actually haven't, uh, haven't made it yet. So we've just been going off most of, of uh, what we've learned from everybody else. It's, it's a really big wine. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and we always love to say it's really heavy in reservatrol. So it's, it's <laughs> one of the best wines for your heart. Uh, but uh, are you guys making one already? Um, we've, we've planted it. We haven't released anything yet, but it's 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 certainly um, one of those varietals that is is popping up on the on the radar in the Texas wine industry. More and more people are getting interested in it and right. starting to grow it. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Bending Branch, another winery in our in our group, were kind of the pioneers of that grape, and there've been a lot of we we you know we're just like them. We we kind of have seen how well they've done with it, and we're like, well, we're going to see what we can do with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and so that's that's kind of been the fun part in the last you know ten years in the Texas. Uh, wine industry is figuring out which grapes are working best and you know we've actually in another credit to dave we do a, a vermentino now strictly because i fell in love with the vermentino that dave makes at, at dukeman yeah, so yeah. we do one of those every year and we're making some sangiovese from both the high plains and the uh the hill country this year and so it's, it's right, we're, we're right. branching out into other wines that we're now seeing that do well very I, cool. Uh, I have another confession. That is, we've uh, we've also started making. It'll a, just a, it'll a, just be between <laughs> us. Yes. Here, we've also started making a Vermentino, uh, in, in part because of, of David's. Uh, uh, he he showed us what what could be done in Texas. It's it's really inspiring. Well, so. Dave, let, let, can we talk, have you talk about Vermentino and and move to the whites? So uh, Vermentino white wine. Um, where where were your inspirations from that? I you know I like. I love Vermentino. I, I, Me too. I love to make it. I love the way it smells in the cellar when it's fermenting, and we we all enjoy it. Um, it's it seems to be for a white grape um, moderately forgiving. So it, it's I don't want to say it makes itself, but it's it. Uh, yeah. If, if you mess up Vermentino, you need to find something else to do. I think. <laughs> and vintage to vintage, you find you find that it's it's just vintage to vintage. It's somewhat easier. Great, great consistency. I would say um, along along the lines of of Montepulciano and Alianico for reds, just very consistent year to year. Um, good years, bad years. It's the the quality always seems to be there. Yeah. And kind of the same. It's very well typed. It's kind of a citrus driven. Right. Little pear. Um, and and for folks listening out there who want the kind of worldwide perspective, we find Vermentino on on the island of Sardinia, and then on the coast of Tuscany, and also um, a little bit north of that in Liguria. So so those are are all excellent areas, and and I agree. Vermentino in Texas is just super awesome, and, and probably not much for sale 
in the United States other than a handful of producers. And right. um, it, it'd be interesting to see numbers, but in Texas, we <laughs> probably the probably the biggest the biggest one of the uh, bigger yeah, yeah you think you think we probably big, you put think more into the market than anybody else than, in and, texas mm, yeah. well the climate is right here so it yeah. makes sense to, to yeah. grow and, and yeah. make it here yeah. what other uh, white grapes and and then uh, uh we need to take a break in a few minutes so um any other white uh, frederick at pernal sellers you do a lot of viognier right yeah it's a big focus in our white program and i know it's also for uh, for ron but viognier has been the mainstay of, of our white portfolio for for many many years and it's absolutely grape that uh, we can do world-class wine with in, in Texas. Right. And we've 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 competed internationally with it, and we we sort of we like to say that we sort of beat the crap out of the French Viognier's, uh, <laughs> and, and so. I, I, but it's really cool. It's like we we can we can do something in Texas that really stands up. And describe Viognier. I mean, as far as so, you know, um, it's very very floral. Um, you know, you have some wonderful. Yeah, a little bit of citrus, uh, honeysuckle pops yeah. out. Um, but it's um, it's very, um, you know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Guy Stout, uh, a friend of mine, he's a master sommelier, he, he called it, uh, it's uh, it's almost like perfume, right? It's like right, yeah. very, very, but very, very drinkable, but very, very... Uh, cool. Uh, it also has a, a yeah. viscosity that no other white wine has, in my opinion, just yeah. sort of a, almost an oiliness mm. to it that's in a, in a very good way. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and talking about viscosity, um, I've been really, really amped on a, a lot of Roussans that are, are you guys doing Roussan uh, at all? Or I shouldn't bring that up. <laughs> some, some trouble with the Roussan we were going to get this year. Yeah. So, so talk about that. I mean, you talk about Viognier as being very forgiving Roussan, uh, not the same way in the vineyard, right? I think it, it can be susceptible to, you know, too much rain and, and things like that where, yeah. um, Perhaps Vermentino, not not as much. Right, so we, right, right. Well, what other white grapes? I mean, for folks who who think, uh, oh, Pinot Grigio is my favorite. You know, what 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 do you say? What do you say to that? Trebbiano, Trebbiano. <laughs> I I would say Albarino. Yeah, that's um, that's the grape that um, we do. It's a Spanish, beautiful Spanish grape. Um, it it's somewhat similar to to the Viognier. Some people say it's kind of between a Pinot Grigio and a and a Viognier, but it's like nice acidity pairs wonderfully with seafood it's it's just a great white varietal for texas yeah so um i i love that i mean and albadino seems to have just taken off in texas right i mean was there probably uh five six years ago was was there any there i mean in my uh view of just the industry as a whole it's kind of exploded do you yeah, agree no, no it has we, we started doing it i want to say it was about five years ago and and now lots of people are are you know it's popping up everywhere and and it, it's just one of those varietals that work here and so it makes sense to focus on it right very cool um well any other white grapes you said trebbiano um now that is one of the most widely planted white grapes in the entire in the entirety of europe um but very few people really know about it has that been kind of a challenge uh, we're hoping to, you know, kind of introduce it. Um, same, same as uh, Montepulciano and Alianico. I think people weren't familiar at all with the varietal, right. and you know, the, the good thing is, is you have an opportunity to kind of right, right. show somebody something new, new to us, you know. And, um, and Trebbiano is a great, great summertime wine, real light, easy. Right, and it's the wine that they make, um, you know, most of cognac out of and distilled spirits, and then uh, also can can make somewhat neutral. Sometimes they're a little neutral, right? Um, it, it's a very heavy producer, and we find that uh, you know when you control the yield, that yeah. you can get super high quality. But if you let it go, you get jug wine. 
Right, right, and right. I guess you can distill that. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we're, we need to take a short break and hear from some underwriters. And uh, if you're just joining us, I'm here with the Texas Fine Wine Group, uh, Frederick Osterberg, Pedernale Cellar, Dave Riley, Dukeman Family Winery, and Ron Yates, Spicewood Vineyards. Uh, who, folks who are absent, Brennan Vineyards and Bending Branch, who are also part of this group. So take a short break, and we will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio, K-O-O-P 91.7 FM and koop.org. Follow along uh, on our co-op website, um, and you can get a link to the archive of this show, Another Bottle Down, at koop.org slash another bottle down. And uh, we talk about wine and the food scene in Austin, and we, we, we tend to not take things too seriously, but we try and dig in and meet the great people who are making and bringing in the wines that, that we are enjoying. Um, today, we're celebrating Texas... Uh, wine month so all of October is Texas wine month and there's going to be a bunch of events all throughout the month which uh, will continue to bring you information there at home so uh, and we're here with the Texas fine wine group so for more information uh, texasfinewine.com and uh, uh, Dave Riley from Dukeman Family Winery Ron Yates from Spicewood Vineyards and Frederick Osterberg from Perdinalis Cellars are are joining me live in the studio so I hope you're really enjoying this conversation Uh, we're talking about you know what's going on in texas um we're getting some confessions here from y'all uh in (laughs) in the winery uh as to you know new plantings and deciding to do with new uh new new varieties and i want to uh i want to get into the 2016 vintage but i you know just want to wrap up this um this this idea of new varieties that are coming into the state that are appropriate for texas the climate the soil um, any other any ones that we've missed? We've talked about uh, red, white. I have a question for you, Dave. Doing focusing at Dukeman on uh, Italian varieties, Sagrantino is the, that's a very little known grape variety that I'm seeing a little bit of. Are you thinking about playing with that at all? I, I haven't uh, have not thought about it. I, I'm um, <laughs> I feel like and I always like you know trying new things is fun and and, and all of it, but there's a massive commitment that comes along that comes along with it. You know, you you get somebody to plant it and then yeah. Explain. Can you dig into that just for folks listening out there who who you know something new pops into the shelf and they don't maybe understand what the the whole backstory. So if we're talking about hill country stuff and these guys can attest to this, it's okay. You you get the idea. I would like to plant blank. Call it Syrah. Let's say okay. petite petite mensang. On the okay. white white varietal, because um, and I mentioned that because um, Virginia, who is also known for Viognier, actually Viognier is now passe, and they're all now into petite mensang. So I mean, right on. <laughs> um, so you, you now you have this idea, and now you have to acquire the plants, okay. and and that can be um, from a nursery in California that can put that varietal on the rootstock that you want. Are they mostly from California or most of the nurseries in California? Most of the nurseries are in California. Okay. Um, and you, you order that, um, to your specification and maybe it's something common that they have grafted anyway, and maybe it's not. So you're now a year to two years away from actually getting those plants. Okay. So you haven't even put a plant in the ground yet and you're a year or two out. Then you plant it, and in the hill country, you're a solid three years is very optimistic, I think. Four years, you might see some fruit, and five years, you, you could. 
and that's from the time you plant it. Really? So you're, okay. and, and why is that? I actually didn't realize that about the hill country. It's, um, it's shallower soils. Not, not that that's bad in any way. It's just different. Um, and it, it can slow down growth of the vine. Um, whereas on the high plains, it's, uh, limestone derived sandy soils that are very, very deep. So they get some water and the roots are just headed, headed down and, and the, the, the vines are doing the same thing above the surface. Um, and so you might get, you might get a harvest in a couple years uh, okay. off the high plains. Yeah. Wow. Cooler nights might have something to do with that too. Allowing the, allowing the plants to set their roots and take hold. And we've, yeah. we've experienced the same thing with our hill country fruit. You know, we've at, at three years, if we get some fruit, we're pretty pleased. And generally that fourth year we're expecting some. And then by fifth year, it's like, okay, it's ready. And then, so you, you add all those years together and you're somewhere in this five to seven year time frame to harvest. And then you've got to bottle, you know, you've got to age it. You've got to make the wine. You've got to make the wine, do all that and then bottle it. And, and right. so it's, there's a huge time commitment. And then how, how many years do you think w- w- that takes to kind of playing around and tweaking different, you know, do I, do I barrel age this? Do I, you know, go stainless steel? Do we go fully through malolactic ferment? You know, all of the different variables that can happen during winemaking. Uh, how long, I mean, that might be a never-ending quest, right? Or, but do you feel like you kind of got your secret recipe to your site within another five years? I feel like we're we're happy with with what we're doing. Obviously, we want every vintage to be better than the last. Um, but you you begin to hone in very quickly on this. This made this product better than what we did last year. Let's continue that, and then next year let's also tweak it and try this, and um, and and always strive to make it better than the year before. Right. Right. Um, well, wonderful. So, so Sagrantino is just not, it's just, it's too much of, you've got too much going on. It's not perspective enough. I I think for the scale of our production and, and kind of our established varietals, I always like to mess around on little sideline projects and do stuff like that. And I I don't know that we would ever bring another, another big player into our lineup. Right. right. Okay. Mm. Great. Great. Are you guys thinking about anything anything obscure or or the next new thing for texas no i think we are and, and this year we've added a number of new varietals that we haven't worked with before some of them inspired by others but we have added uh, carignan and, and and a few others that we have not been working with before and oh, so cool. it's a, it's if, if i just take a second to sort of reflect where we yeah, were like sure. 12 years ago it was you know it was riesling and it was Pinot Noir, and then there was this new generation of wineries starting, and there was this rallying cry that's like, no, we need to focus on these few varietals that do really well in Texas. Obviously, Tempranillo was part of that, Viognier was part of that, and 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 I think we, you know, there, there was this movement within the wine industry to to change things. Yeah. Uh, whereas whereas now, I think it's it's really opened up again, and we're starting to experiment more and more, and doing more varietals, and yeah, um, so it's we've almost come full circle in uh, in 12 years it's yeah do you, do you think that the growth is uh dangerous at all i mean as far as uh trying to explore too much and not and not and, and dave i guess this is your point of like you know you you can't do everything in the world of wine you have to kind of pick and choose your battles i think scale has a lot to do with it and yeah. um and, and you know also like i said we have a very big production of of 
a few of our wines that are out in distribution, but right. um, it's it's fun to do winery only stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Ron, what are you what are you looking at, at new and up and coming and, uh, we, and fun stuff? Yeah, we love. We've been making so uh, Graciano for a long time ah, and, and yeah. blended it into one of our blends. We just haven't had enough production level of it yet to do it on its own, but we're we're excited about that. We've got a bunch more of that in the ground this last year, and that kind of makes a, a natural thought that you know Tempranillo is doing really well uh, and Graciano is often uh, you know planted with Tempranillo or blended in yep. for Rioja and those sorts of bottlings yep that's what we have it planted for and so we, we just put another four acres of it in the ground at Spicewood this year as well as four acres of uh, Carignan in the ground the year before so oh, very we're, cool we're really what, what do you think that the Graciano adds to the Tempranillo component wise it gives it depth. I mean, it, it, in, this is the first year we've actually got it riper than more ripe. I guess that's the correct way to say that uh, over everything else. In years past, we were it, as it's grown, it's taken a lot longer to establish. It's we put it in the ground in 2009, and the last two harvests have just finally been where we wanted it to be. Right. But it adds amazing depth and flavor, and it's it's the color that Graciano gives. Yeah. You, know, you don't really see it in the skins as much until you get it actually out during fermentation, and it. It's as dark as can be, so it just builds some depth and some backbone. Very cool. And this year, it'll build a lot of uh, a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm getting thirsty. Um, <laughs> so uh, we got to we got to we're, we're talking with you guys is so much fun. We got to move on to the 2016 harvest uh, because you know we're celebrating Texas Wine Month um, and the events that you're doing, but also celebrating you pretty much being done with harvest or at, at least in the tail end. So what uh, what happened this? year <laughs> i guess we have to start out in the spring maybe right or, or frederick you want to give us an overview well i i, I think of this harvest as like somebody said the tale of two harvests right yeah. because there was there was before the rains and there were after the rains we had we had some serious rains here a few yeah, weeks ago when, and, tell us about those rains when when and and was it hill country versus july yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or June, of, I guess. I guess yeah. June into all July. June. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of June into July. Yeah. Absolutely, and and then we had a lot of rain in August, yeah. and 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 it really we got we got um, a lot of our hill country harvest. We managed to get in before all the rains came right. in, yeah. but a little bit we didn't get in. Notably, Morvedra, who was sort of a later ripening. Um, right. So you couldn't varietal. just the, the rains were coming. You couldn't just harvest it. It wasn't ripe. It wasn't ripe. Right. Yeah. And and um, and similarly in the high plains we harvested most of our Viognier before the rains and so it come in stellar harvest beautiful nice bricks beautiful acidity yeah. and then and then we have some things that have been hanging out there longer and longer and the more rain you get the more challenging it is that it, 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 you know it's because of mold and fungus and absolutely. all of that kind of stuff absolutely yeah. and so it's uh, uh, for, for us in our state vineyard we had we had some Morvedra and we just recently harvested it and and it's it's more challenging this year unfortunately yeah, yeah. whereas everything that came in before the rains is just Drop that gorgeous and beautiful, right. amazing fruit. So, so um, what are your impressions, guys? Ron? Yeah, the same way. You know, it just it started raining. I guess about around Memorial Day, it seems like, and it rained for that whole month, and it it dry up for a day, and then then it rained again. So you couldn't get the tractor in the vineyard to do any work. Uh, yeah. uh, and then right after Fourth of July, it got dry and hot really quickly. So we were we actually were looking at really good numbers in the grapes and. And the, the sugar levels were rising and the pH was down and then it got really hot and that's when it got to be a little difficult for us. But like 
uh, Frederick was saying, we, we picked that week before the rain came, we picked 40, hand harvested 42 tons of fruit because wow. we had to get it off because the rain came. And luckily we did. We finished Tempranillo at about 1130 on Saturday and it started <sighs> raining about 115. Wow. And it rained three inches that day. So perfect timing. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, um, you know, so we might say that, uh, folks have to be, a little bit more discerning when they when they are, are choosing 2016s, you know, in a couple of years, or would that be a good statement? Or, or, or then you guys still make the decision whether to, you know, put your label on it, and 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 that that whole uh, track record of a winery is very important. We're, right? we're really lucky. We got everything we got off uh, before the rain, so we were we're this at Spicewood. It's the the I feel in my my opinion so far. It's one of the best harvests we've ever had as far as quantity and quality. Some cool. Okay. Some great. Of the, some of the grapes we've planted this year that haven't that finally come into fruition just gave us some great stuff but we're not luckily for us we're not going to have to deal with anything everything has been pretty spot on great great so, yeah dave yeah for us um the montepulciano and alianico are are kind of seeing it all through you know we had some rain um i was up there just a week or two ago to to look at the crop and everything looks great they're in another dry spell highs in the in the upper eighties with lots of uh, sunshine. So yeah. we're, we're very hopeful that we'll see another stellar year for both of those varieties. Right. Right. And then, and, and the overall quality and quantity of everything else. I mean, uh, Hill country as well. Do you, do you get much from the Hill country? We, we do get a, a little bit from okay. the Hill country. Um, and, and we, we got in the day before the rains, the rain started, everything was all in, um, that we were getting from Hill country. And then it did, proceed to rain for an entire month after that um and and uh and high plains um we we've been able to kind of as frederick was saying we 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 dodged we were getting stuff before so we got everything we needed before the rain started and what we're getting after is long enough after where we're in good shape there where there wasn't the, the the fear of mold wasn't wasn't so bad or they could they could deal with the issues and then it dried out and then you have that long ripening cycle right, that, right that's essentially right. what's going on yeah um is is uh so you know talking about that decision to harvest or to try and wait it out uh, of the rains can you you know is that just like you're, you know, you, do you just like flip a coin or what, I mean, what, you, what lead us through? You, all of us probably have a touch of gray somewhere on us. And okay. I think that's where that comes from. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, you know, so sort of single most important decision for a winemaker right. every year is when to harvest. And, and not just, you know, the numbers of the, of the chemistry of the wine, but also the forecast and all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, do you see a lot of, um, variation in maybe some of these larger vineyards where they they uh service a number of wineries do you see like a a really wide variation between the first to harvest the vineyard and then the last or because i know that in you know california washington oregon you might see those wineries that tend to harvest on the earlier side and then those other wineries that wait two weeks if the conditions are ideal and then as it ripens it ripens the 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 tannins change and the flavors get a little bit more jammy do you see that in texas i think that's it's a hard one to say because there's no control so um if if you're getting the same stuff if the same winery is getting the same fruit from the same block at two different dates but i know um firsthand and we can probably all attest to this that um having a, a block planted you know where your rows are these rows and then directly next to it is going to another winery and you taste 
both of those wines from that vintage and they are completely different and they may have been harvested on the same day or, right. or within a day of one another. Right. So you think that the winemaking uh, variables are so great that, you know, that, that pinpointing that is impossible to know. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, big vineyards up there that you get a lot of like, for, for instance, Viognier, one of the more popular grapes, you see a lot of people that's getting real sim- getting real similar fruit, but they all turn out very different in sc- as scope of finished wines. Yeah. But to your point, the, 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 um, the timing on harvest is going to dictate a lot of that tremendously as well. And dictate some of the winemaking practices thereafter. Sure. Cool. Well, um, we need to take one last short break and hear from uh, one of our underwriters, and uh, then we'll be back to talk about what these guys are going to be doing the next couple months. Um, So if you're just joining us, my name is Mark Rayshat. This is Another Bottle Down, and I'm here with the Texas Fine Wine Group. Uh, Dave Riley, Dukeman Family Winery, Frederick Osterberg, Perdinalis Cellars, Ron Yates, Yates Spicewood Vineyards. Uh, We're celebrating Texas Wine Month in the month of October, and these guys have a tasting at the Wine and Food Foundation of Texas on April 12th. They have a a tasting at Dine Restaurant on October 13th, uh, and on October 14th, a dinner and pairing at Spicewood Vineyards. And for more information, go to texasfinewine.com. All right, we'll be right back in just a moment. All right. Thank you, Tesla, one of our uh, wonderful underwriters of the station. This is Co-op Radio, KOOP 91.7 FM and KOOP.org. I am here with the Texas Fine Wine Group, Dave Riley, Ron Yates, and Frederick Osterberg. Um, so, guys, uh, oh, you know, Ron, I wanted to say congratulations on on your new uh, project. Spicewood Vineyards is is your family thing, and then or, and now you have Ron Yates Winery, right? Well, they're both they're both family owned. Uh, Spicewood, we've kind of uh, we're, we've we're, we're fully planted now. All thirty two acres have fruit in the ground, and we're almost there producing. So we're really moving the focus back to becoming an estate winery. So yeah, wow. we really enjoyed the, the fruit, we, the wines we were making from all the other vineyards in the state. And so we decided, and we also want to do something on our own from the ground up. So we started uh, Yates Winery over at, uh, um, in High. Very cool. Yeah. So, so that, that is going to be kind of the concept, keep Spicewood uh, uh, going towards sure. a vineyard designate or uh, an estate winery, mm-hmm. and, then, and then to play with all the other groovy things that we have yeah, going around the yeah, state. Yeah. Is, we're, is, we're bringing some uh, Italian varietals into the focus. Like I said, we're doing some Sangiovese from both uh, the Hill Country and the High Plains. We're doing some Barbera, cool. some, some Vermentino like we spoke about earlier. But yeah, and just focusing on other vineyards in the state as well. We... we, uh, we we really enjoyed the wine we were making from up in the High Plains and other right. parts. And yeah. We're just getting to continue being part of the, the, the industry over there as well. Yeah. And for folks who want more information, you have your website, is that? It's Yates uh, Wines. Yates Wines. Y-A-T-E-S-W-I-N-E-S.com. All right. Well, congratulations on the opening and good luck with, uh, with all the stuff uh, in building a winery from ground <laughs> up, right? It's been it's a challenge. A, it's a really neat place. So, so if, uh, if, yeah, I've, I've been over there and, and I've seen it. It's, it's gorgeous looking. Well, cool. well worth a visit. Well, wonderful. So, um, do, so I want to talk about just, uh, you know, in, in our last uh, five, five minutes or so, what, uh, what you guys are, are looking at in the winery for the next couple months. I mean, the vineyard, the vineyards are almost harvested or harvested. Um, are, are we still, so when you walk into your wineries now, are, is there just beautiful aromas of fermentation? And uh, maybe paint us a picture if, if somebody wants to paint us a <laughs> well, picture. At the, at the new winery, it, it's, the building's so big and we've, we're doing so many tons that it's more than, it's really overpoweringly. I wouldn't say it's, it's gorgeous when it's a few, a few, a few batches of fruit, but 
when it gets to you. <laughs> but no, it's great. We're just gonna be working on finishing out the the 2016 wines and putting them to bed and start doing some uh, some bottling from some of the the reds from years past and then get on prepping for the the whites and the rosés. Yeah, so what you know, describe that delicate balance between, you know, finishing off the the harvest and this current vintage 2016 and then also having to deal with the other wines that you have in the winery, right? I mean, Dave, do you want to does does everything kind of go on hold uh for 2015 or are, are you needing to like bottle to make room for barrel and barrels uh for the for the new wines? Can you describe us? We've in a perfect world, you you get everything, you get everything ready in the spring to you, you. Okay, we're done with 2015 because now we're our focus has shifted to what's coming for 2016. Right. Um, we had a year 2010, I think, where the best laid plans. You know, it, it didn't really work out. We were bottling in the middle of harvest to make room for a bumper crop, and that's painful if. If you guys right. have been through that, oh. it's, yes, it it's, it's, uh, it's not what you want, but you, you got to make room for what's coming. So you, you try to plan it all out. And then, you know, this time of year when the winery starts getting quiet again, you can kind of pick up focus on, okay, as Ron said, what's what from 14 or 13 or, or any other vintage, what do we need to start bottling now? You, right. you kind of take a break after harvest and then you, you kind of get back into the cellar and and pick it back up again. Yeah, yeah. Ron, are you the same way? Wanting yeah. everything kind of planned and focus on the 2016. And you know, I, I just leave that up to the winemaker. He's right. he's yeah. much more skilled at that than I. I. Just start asking him what the quality is going to be about two and a half months into the to the wine <laughs> production. So he kind of tunes me out pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah that's uh, that. You know, we've we've got some 20. Uh, I think we have. I think all of our 2014s are bottled, but we have some some uh, 2015s that we will start working on, and and we're doing a, a bunch of rosé this year, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I mean a bunch of rosé. So awesome. uh, so we'll we'll be getting ready for that. Probably doing some some of that bottling even in December. Oh so wow! Just, so so we might see 2016 out on the market February. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. For some some of it for sure. Awesome. Um and uh and, and 2015 vintage was was as well a, a quite a quite a successful vintage for y'all right? Um, shall we fill in the gaps, Frederick? I mean, did no. did you have high quality, high quantity? Yes, yes. One of those rare vintages <laughs> when you had both really. So sometimes you see one or the other, but but 15 was was excellent, excellent quality. Both both hill country and high plains and, and quantity was was very plentiful. So it right, was, it was, I would second that. Yeah, it was a great Third. year. Yeah. yeah, cool. Well, um, in just our last minute, uh, are you guys going on any vacations to celebrate the the harvest, Dave? I think as, you were going somewhere. As soon as as soon as we get our last eighty tons, um, yeah, December is usually when I like to be gone from yeah. the winery for. For the Are entire you a skier? month. Are you a skier? Or, we do. We, yeah. we take the family and we go skiing. Awesome. Awesome. Ron, any plans for vacation or no? My plans Within... are just opening a new business, yeah. <laughs> getting that up and running. And Ron gets it. no vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm going to take the two little girls to to uh, Colorado and at least get a week of skiing in this year sometime in, in the early new year. But it is important. Yeah. yeah, very, yeah. Nice. very nice. Yeah. And Frederick, any, yeah. any no, no rest for the weary? We're actually heading up to Northern California here end of, uh, end of the month. So that's, that's our little getaway. Do a little, uh, a little scoping out and a little, um, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. No, or or no, do, you, no. do you guys like to visit wine country or is it like, well, Hey, yeah, when I, I'm not doing I, wine, I want to, yeah. I, I, I like uh, Julie and I. We we uh, on on our vacations we tend to visit a new wine region every year, and so that's uh, you know we've been Tuscany, Piedmont, and 
Yeah. I'll do RDJ. And, and do you take some stuff back from that? Or, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What Absolutely. about you guys? Yeah. It's, it's always fun to see what yeah. other people are doing. Yeah. You know, it's, that's kind of part of it. Right, right, right. Well, I've been trying to, you know, we have a, um, Austin's sister city is in Angers in the Loire, and they just had their big celebrations, and I was a little bit upset that uh, there, there was no, you know, wine uh, uh personalities that are going back and forth and and so and producers and and talking about how that how that uh that trade as well is going on well guys thank you so much congratulations on the 2016 harvest um dave riley dukeman uh dukeman winery ron yates spicewood and 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 ron yates winery frederick osterberg uh from pernalis cellars guys um thank you so much for being here and we'll stay in touch thank Thank you you for having us yeah all right and and for those of you listening out there keep on celebrating texas wine month um and uh you can check out the events that are going to be happening with the texas fine wine group at texasfinewine.com uh we need to make way for tracy schultz and remix uh this has been you've been listening to another bottle down on co-op radio and um we will uh, we will see you next week and we'll keep on drinking some wonderful wine